So I'm speaking with uh, composer Otli Varson, who has uh, been behind great scores to films like The Eagle and uh, Season of the Witch. You can also hear his music on the hit NBC drama Chicago Fire, as well as in the upcoming Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Uh, thanks so much for talking with me today, Otli. It's my pleasure. So I guess I'll jump uh, right into Hansel and Gretel. Uh, this is sort of a you know action thriller based off the classic uh, uh, grim fairy tale. It incorporates so many genres. Uh, was it a challenge to to find your starting point and how you wanted to score the film, and and what what did you want your approach to be? Mm. Um, well, yeah, uh, it was a challenge, but I, I think there was sort of a clear entryway into this world, which mm-hmm. is the world of of rock and roll, really. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I think, and particularly you notice with the with the action uh, bits, that they're all kind of very sort of riff-based, you know, it's very rock and roll-like. And, uh, you know, that's something that I, one of the first things that I did really was just to come up with a bunch of riffs and sort of start from there. And then, you know, um, in terms of um, themes and orchestration, I mean, uh, uh, you know, you could say that the rock and roll and, and even some electronic kind of percussion and synth work is just sort of the, the connection with with the modern time uh, or sort of the modern sound of of uh, action scoring, but then you know there's an an added layer to this film, which is the the old sort of fairy tale aspect, as you mentioned, and uh, and you know with that I I went much more, um, that's sort of where the the more traditional aspects come in, sort of you know the themes, the more uh, melodic themes, and and. Uh, you know, the more traditional orchestration ranging from, you know, obviously strings and brass and, and sort of the more traditional symphonic aspect, but even going back as far as some um, harpsichord and uh, organs and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, also the film has so many, uh, I think, just distinct little elements such as the setting, kind of the roots and classic storytelling and characters and the stylized action. Uh, when you kind of got this project brought to you, and you were first looking at it kind of with a blank slate, what what elements of the film were a, kind of a major driving force for you inspirationally and creatively? Uh, what what really spoke to you that really got your creative juices flowing about the film? Well, you know, growing up in Europe, uh, the grim adventures are, are a big part of your childhood in a way, because, I mean, it's like those stories were read to me as a child. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I, I think I... that you know, that just resonated with me on a very kind of uh, deep old level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that clearly was was a, you know, just a guiding light, I'd say. Uh, but then, you know, obviously, Tommy, uh, we're told the director has taken, you know, sort of come up with a new approach and, and you know, the story takes place. Uh, several years after the the gingerbread house incident, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the characters have evolved a lot. But you know some key aspects of the drama of the film is is you know were um, I'd say number one to kind of do what, whatever I could do to cement uh, Hansel and Gretel's relationship and and sort of just you know make you feel like they care about each other and uh, because. Without that, you know, the whole premise of the story doesn't really work. Right. You know, they, they, in a way, they're the only pe- they, you know, they only have each other in this world. So, so that was a something that really needed to be cemented. And then, um, you know, I, I think the, 
you know, the the idea and the marching orders were always just to make it fun and exciting and, and very relevant to a modern audience. Right. Which, I mean, it's a very, you know, very hard kind of gritty look at a classic twist. Um, even if you're making it fun, are you trying to, do you look at characters first before setting uh, setting a plot? Or do you try to, like, what what, what really makes the sound of your music what it is for this film? Does the characters come first or does the plot and setting come first? Well, I would say all of the above. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I feel like you, you can't really separate the characters from the plot, as it were. Right. Um, but, I mean, the setting really is, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I think in addition to those elements that you mentioned, there's the the fairy tale, the supernatural fairy tale aspect, which I think is quite important. And, and in many ways, the biggest challenge was to marry, you know, industrial uh, rock and roll. I mean, dubstep was even thrown around in some conversations. And but but how do you, you know, how do you make that underbelly feel magical? You know, and so right. I, I think that that was the that was the that was the the challenge. And and what was it like working with? Uh, you mentioned director uh, Tommy Vercola. Uh, what kind of feedback did he give you during the process, and how did you uh, work with him throughout it? Well, fortunately, a lot of his feedback was positive. <laughs> That's always <laughs> so, good. <laughs> you know, uh, no, I mean, I, I think we had a really good relationship, and um, you know, I, I think that having a similar background probably helps. You know, we just kind of have a, have a similar taste and and similar feel for things, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, a way to communicate that that you know, maybe you know, both being from from the northernmost reaches of Europe, kind of, you know, probably gives us some sort of cultural background that made made it, made it very easy for us to work together. And uh, so now looking at the film, it's it's a you know kind of a heavy set action film with a lot of great pieces. Um, so when it comes to action scoring, do you find it challenging trying to work music into heavy sound effect sequences? How does music need to work in balance with the rest of the sound design, you know, to get the proper dramatic effect without tripping over each other? Well, I think you have the best of intentions, and then at some point you just go for it and just try to make the music sound kick-ass and and, uh, hope for the best. I mean, there are some, there's obviously going to be some obvious places where there's a huge explosion or something that you just don't want to compete with and you just Mm -hmm. kind of get out of the way, but but a lot of action scoring, honestly, is, you know, you just kind of, I wouldn't say disregarded, but you just have to go for it trying to write exciting music. And, I mean, there's a reason why people use a lot of brass and, and, and strings and stuff, because those instruments actually cut through, you know, the gunshots and the explosions and the running and all that stuff. Mm. So, but uh, to be honest, I mean, I, I always find it a challenge to, to fit music into action scoring because, um, you know, the, I don't know, it's, it's just the nature of the beast that, you know, it, the music needs to serve a very, very specific purpose, which is to just to, you know, make you excited, you know? So um, what I find is, is um, crucial is to write music away from the picture, you know, don't, you know, start writing something that you think is cool before you actually start making actual cues. Mm. So do you do you kind of like toy around with with suites and kind of create kind of motifs and themes before even yeah. attempting it? 
yeah, I, I must have written almost a half an hour of, of sweets before I, you know, really got into scoring the film. Wow. So when, when all when it comes down to the end, do you as a composer, do you have any say in how your score is mixed into the film, or do you just kind of find out at the premiere? <laughs> no, typically you you'll have some say. I mean, you know, I went to the dub stage for for several run-throughs of each reel and and the final, you know, the picture. And, and I mean, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, you know, it's film music. It's not music um, per, you know, it's, the music wasn't written just to, to, to stand on its own. Mm -hmm. It's written to be a part of the film. Uh, although I like to, or I, I very much try to write something that, that is enjoyable to, to listen to on its own. But, um, no, I mean, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, it is a film after all, and, and in some places it's going to be supportive. In other places, hopefully there's some points where it kind of leads and, and um, carries the film. And, and uh, you know, I mean, typically, um, you know, the guys who are dubbing these films are really good. You know, yeah. they're, they're really good at their jobs, and typically it goes quite smoothly, you know, and... and uh, and that was the case on this, you know, piece. I mean, there'd be occasional comments that I'd had, like, you know, maybe could the music be louder here, or or maybe the music is too loud, you know. But but at the end of the day, it's about making, you know, a kind of a complete film experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think you know one of the one of the hats that a film composer has to wear is being a filmmaker and a dramatist, you know. Right. And so you have to you know kind of not get too um, invested in, in, you know, or, you know, what I'm invested in is making a good movie above all. Of course. <laughs> and it's always trying to serve serve the picture. Yeah. And I, I just thought of this. I don't think I've ever asked a composer this, but um, how does surround sound affect your composing process? Does it affect it at all, or is music always dedicated to certain channels in the mix? Uh, I would say that it, affects the composing process much per se uh you know i mean it's something that i i think about all the time and i i work in in surround you know when i'm writing these scores i'm i'm playing you know my samples back in in surround mm -hmm. you know i mean I, I suppose um you know we typically stay out of the center speaker quite a bit because that's where the dialogue is coming from right and but but other than that it, it's you know <clears throat> I, I suppose maybe the other um, the other kind of concern is, you know, having something very rhythmic. Uh, you know, in in big theaters, there's a slight chance of a slight delay between the front speakers and the rear speakers. So maybe you try to kind of have your most important precise rhythmic stuff in the front. But you know, honestly, other than that, it, it's just a matter of trying to make things sound as good as possible and. Uh, and, and sit with the dialogue and the sound effects. Mm, okay. So now, not just only you're doing you know films, great films, you're, you're working in television, and you've been doing some great work, uh, not only with Law & Order uh, LA, but now with Chicago Fire. Um, for a TV series, is it harder to have a more focused and thematic score since your music is kind of spanning over constantly evolving season arcs? Um, well, it depends on the, on the, on the series. It depends on the show. Um, Law and Order, you know, the, in a way, the premise of Law and Order has always been 
that you know each episode kind of stands on its own as a story. Right. You don't really get too much into the development of characters, you know, especially like the main characters on these shows. Especially in the beginning, you didn't really know much about them at all. You know, they maybe, you know, give you a little bit of information here and there, but mostly it's about it's very uh, procedural and it's very sort of plot driven. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I mean, the the honest truth is that. TV typically, you, you know, the music simply isn't as thematic, you know, it, it's, um, and it's, it's an aesthetic in television that has developed over the years that typically the producers don't really want it to be too thematic. But um, having said that, I, on Chicago Fire, it's a completely different kettle of fish because, you know, you're really following the the dramatic arcs and the, and the, the you know, character development arcs of, of the main, you know, characters on the show. Mm-hmm. So I, I've actually been repeating themes quite a bit for, for situations and, and characters on, on that show. But, um, you know, again, it's, you know, there's less melody. There's less kind of, it, it's more it's more background underscoring than, than most films are, you know. Right, right. But do you try to, like, uh, do you kind of keep an endpoint in focus, or do you, like, let's say with the Chicago Fire, or do you kind of tackle it as they come down the pipeline? Do you have, like, a, do you even know what the se- what the season is going, you know, what what's the end point for the season, or are you kind of in the dark as you go? Yeah, mostly in the dark. I mean, you know, they, uh, um, I haven't read the scripts for, you know, we've just finished episode 12, mm-hmm. so we're sort of about the halfway line, you know, just one one episode beyond the halfway mark. So, um, you know, I don't even know if they've written the, the, the scripts for the very last episodes, you know. So more or less you're just kind of uh, just sort of following and, and, and playing along, you know. Right. Uh, but sooner than later I'll start getting scripts for the second half of the season and then, then I'll, I'll probably start looking into what's going to happen. So I guess we'll we'll find out uh, with you then. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I mean, you were, and also kind of looking at your entire career, you've worked in so many genres over your career from horror, comedy, action, drama, sci-fi. Is there any genre that sticks out as a recurring favorite to to go back to? Well, I I really want to do some more um, animation, and no. you know, uh, and I think it's um, it's a genre that that uh, you know my I think my biggest talent is to write a melody, and I, I think it's a genre that sort of lends itself to that. So I feel like I would be, it would be something that I'd be very, you know, it's something that I greatly enjoy. Let's put it that way. Right. And then you know, sort of more human dramas. I, I really would like to to do a bit more of those. But um, you know, I do quite like actually jumping from one thing to another, uh, and uh, so it's kind of a. It's one of the things that appeals to me about film music is that you're always, um, in a way, solving new problems. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I do love, like, one of my favorite scores of yours is The Last Confederate, and I think it's a very uh, beautiful score that you did with a character and human drama, and it really reflects that, that your talent in that music, so I really did enjoy that score. Yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah, and I'm actively pursuing more films like that. I mean, it... To be honest, it's like I just love to write an old-fashioned tune, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and there isn't that much room for that in, in a lot of um, Hollywood fare. So, you know, but I, I try to seek them out, and, and there will be more coming in the future. 
Well, I cannot wait to hear what the future holds, and I always, you know, look forward to all of your scores with uh, great anticipation. But thank you so much for your time, Otley. It was always it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Kai. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.